We are on a mission to help lawyers and law firm owners maximize wealth and achieve financial independence. Welcome to The Lawyer Millionaire with Darren Wirtz from Wirtz Financial Services. In this podcast, we will help you build wealth, minimize your taxes, and plan for retirement with money management strategies designed for the legal profession. Join us in this journey where we help you manage your money so you can make the most of your future. Start feeling confident in knowing you are well prepared for retirement and on track to financial independence. Now on to the show. Have you ever scratched your head and thought, they didn't teach me that in law school? Business development is a skill that law firm owners must master in order to be successful. And unfortunately, it's one of those skills many law firm owners have to learn on their own. I'm your host, Darren Wirtz, and welcome to the Lawyer Millionaire Podcast, where we help law firm owners master their money. Today, we have a very special guest joining us, Steve Fretzen, who's a best-selling author, successful podcast host, and coach, trainer, advisor for lawyers and law firm owners. Steve's expertise lies in helping lawyers become confident, organized, and skilled rainmakers, a powerful combination that sets them apart in the legal industry. Steve, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome. Yeah, so happy to be here, Darren. I appreciate you having me. Great. I've got so much I want to ask you today. This is going to be a great episode all about business development. Before we get into that, could you share with us a little bit about your journey and what inspired you to become a coach and advisor for lawyers and law firm owners? Yeah, and I think it's fair to start off by saying I'm not an attorney, uh, that I primarily set up my business in 2004 to work with entrepreneurs. And I've worked in over 50 industries. When the recession hit in 2008, 2009, um, some of my entrepreneurial clients said, Hey, my lawyer, you know, was asking about, you know, my success and said, How are you doing all this, you know, business? And, you know, they referred it to me. So I got a lawyer, then two, then three, then a firm. And it really, really took off. And with about within about 16 months, about 80, 85% of my business was lawyers and law firms. And what connected us primarily was, you know, my results driven focus for them uh, to make sure they get results and keep and sustain results. But most importantly, is that they never want to feel salesy and they never want to, to learn sales. So what I'm actually teaching them is called sales-free selling, which is how do we develop business without ever feeling salesy, without ever having to convince or pitch or try to push a round peg through a square hole. So it really resonated with the legal community that they can learn this as a skill in a non-salesy way. And it just really took off. And I sort of haven't looked back and just so happy and and so honored to be a part of the legal community and work in this wonderful industry. And I just work with the most amazing lawyers around the country, um, helping them to uh, dramatically grow their law practices again in an ethical and comfortable way. Yeah, that's great. So obviously there is a demand for your service. A lot of uh, lawyers are interested. They want to know about business development. Tell us a little bit more about what that means, non-salesy. I'm, I'm curious about that. Yeah. So the easiest way to explain it is, you know, lawyers regularly that go on meetings to go get business, they call it a pitch meeting. You've you've heard of pitch. Hey, we went on a pitch meeting. Well, that implies a sales meeting. That implies that we're going to go pitch our services. We're going to go talk about how great we are. We're going to go talk about how much we've won for our clients and, and the success we've had, how wonderful our firm is. It's a lot about the lawyer and the firm. And what I do is I flip that on its end and I say, look, why don't we go out and identify what the what the prospective client's problems are, where their pain points are, 
Let's ask a lot of questions. Let's build relationship through a, 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 a really positive bedside manner where they feel understood, listened to, and empathized with. And let's qualify them to understand and ensure that there's a good fit, that that everybody's you know working in in the same direction in a less adversarial way. And then in many cases, that takes you know money and rates off the table, more or less. And and then we're walking a buyer through a buying decision versus you know again trying to to make a pitch and convince someone, hey, this is why you should hire me. And that seems to be you know a much better feeling approach for lawyers than the pitch meeting, which they just kind of fall into because they don't know that maybe another approach exists. Yeah, and I'm betting it's more effective actually. You know, I've I've seen that in my own business development, usually the meetings where I'm talking the least and I'm asking more questions and the prospective client is talking more than I'm talking, <laughs> yeah. those tend to be the more effective ones. And it's usually when I'm, you know, very no pressure approach that people tend to do business. You know, I found that as soon as I start to apply pressure, people run for the hills. It seems to be that that's kind of what I experience. What what can you uh say about that? Well, there's an old car company that's surprisingly no longer in business uh, back from the 90s called Saturn. And Saturn had a great commercial that essentially went like this. You know, people don't like it's, don't like to be sold to. It's not fun to be sold to. It's fun to buy. Mm-hmm. And so I think what 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 we all hate is we all hate the feeling of being sold. We hate the feeling of being sold to and convinced and, and pushed into something. And I think anyone that's gone out and bought a car, anyone that's maybe dealt with, you know, a, a pushy insurance salesman, um, you know, there's a negative connotation there. And so what we want to consider is with an approach of building relationships and trust and asking great questions and being a great listener and 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 essentially just stop solving and stop, you know, pitching and and, and moving to the to the end of the meeting, you know, early on and, and just sit there and, and enjoy the process of understanding someone and taking it all in. And it's a little bit like um like gold mining, right? You don't find a nugget of gold and run out of the gold mine and never to return. When you find a nugget of gold, there's probably more there if you keep digging. So I think what what we have to teach lawyers is that there's an actual methodology that you can use, a system to follow of step one, step two, step three, that's going to not only get you a better outcome and a better result, but it's going to make you feel better and get you off on a better foot with that prospective client or with that networking buddy or whomever it is that you're meeting with than just going at it and just you know, kind of winging it or just going off the cuff, which is just generally not a good uh, idea for, you know, predictable results. I love that. And, you know, I love a good salesperson, you know, someone who is not a, not a pushy salesperson, but one that's going to educate me and help me understand things. I am not really the most fashionable person. So when I go clothes shopping, I appreciate someone who's going to help me understand if I'm looking for a blazer, I want to know, you know, do you think this looks good on me? You know, and don't gaslight me, but you know, don't yeah. uh, <laughs> give me your honest opinion. And don't, by the way, try to sell me 10 of them. I just want one. And I want to know which one you think is going to be the best fit. <laughs> yeah. And we, and we buy from people that we like and we trust and that we feel understand us. That's not necessarily, again, something that's taught. And again, lawyers understand that they want a jury to like them. They want a judge to like, they want, they want to, you know, in a courtroom, they want to have, have an appeal. And then in business development, they just go back to solving and selling and teaching and, and, uh, and convincing and giving out rates and, and, you know, answering questions, essentially being 
um, you know, pushed around by buyers who who just want rates and, inf- and information, but haven't shared a lot about what their problems are and how deep the rabbit hole goes and and how important to us a solution would be, you know, prior to giving that. So again, I go back to prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. And so if, if people can just, you know, hear that again, prescription before diagnosis is malpractice, we're prescribing too much. And it's not really an effective way to to run a meeting or to build a trust or or to understand someone when you're just prescribing all the time. So we really need to kind of start looking at things from a different um, angle. And that's what I'm working with attorneys on every single day is, you know, approaches that are going to get them across the finish line faster w- with less time and effort and also take, you know, take the, the transactional side, the rate side out of it generally. Absolutely. That's that's great stuff. So when it comes to business development, you know, we know this is vital. Uh, do you find that, uh, you know, some of the clients you work with, have they just kind of thought the business is going to come in the door and and then they have this realization, okay, I've got to really hone in and focus and drill down. Has that been kind of your experience or, or what do you find with some of the clients you work with? It's it. There's a lot of attorneys that have had great success in the past 20, 25 years of, of business and, and paid their bills and put away money and had a great little lifestyle and things just stopped. They're not getting the calls. They're not getting the referrals. Things have just stopped in there. They haven't done any marketing. They haven't done any networking. They've just kept their head down and done the work. And that for some lawyers, they might finish out their career that way. For other lawyers, it's going to be a rude awakening You know, when you hit 50 plus and you don't have any skills to go out and develop business. And now you're wondering, how am I going to pay my bills? Or, you know, maybe I'm living beyond my means without, you know, realizing it or, or realizing it. So that's one element. The other element is a lawyer who, or, you know, that, you know, has been given hours by their, you know, team or by their practice area, group leader, whatever it might be, they've been fed essentially, you know, hours for years and that slows down or that's, that spigot gets turned off and then they're going, oh my God, now the firm's saying, hey, go out and get business. You can do it, kid, you know, whatever it might be. And, but what's the, you know, what's the plan from there? Well, go figure it out yourself. That's not necessarily a great, a great place. So, and there's also one other piece I'll mention, Darren, there are managing partners and existing rainmakers that might have a million dollar book and think that that's great. But one of my superpowers and what I love to do is meet with those folks, evaluate what they're doing, what they're not doing, where their gaps are. And sure enough, like clockwork, I find a massive pile of money that's sitting on a table right in front of them. And they're walking around it all day and all week and all month and all year. And they can have a two, three, $5 million book within a few years, Hmm. but they just don't realize it's sitting there or they do, they don't know how to go after it. And so Having a, a, a you know a model for methodology systems, a coach, someone that can identify that and then actually help you achieve it, it can it can mean the difference between you know great wealth and happiness and, and success, or again you know just you know kind of paying your bills, you're paying your people, and you know just kind of living you know year to year, which is again maybe not a great recipe for success long term. Yeah, so things have have changed. The landscape has changed for sales, for marketing. You know, is this just a phenomenon of the current internet-based environment we lived in? How and why have these changes occurred where suddenly law firm owners find themselves in a place where, uh-oh, I really need to actually invest in marketing? Yeah. So you've got um, a tremendous amount of competition where you know lawyers that were sitting back and waiting for the phone to ring are now actively networking, actively marketing on different platforms. And so 
everyone's vying for the same piece of pie. And that makes it a very challenging marketplace, no matter what practice area you're in. And you're either in the game or you're not in the game. You're either playing the game at a high level or you're not. And so if you look at any sport, um, you know, you look at cooking uh, chefs, you look at it, mus musicians, who's going to excel to the top. And it's the people that are being thoughtful about the future and where it's headed and, and knowing that they have to perform at a high level. The thing that's changed in legal is not just the competition, but the idea that, you know, you're either, you're either learning this, this game called business development and you're working it and, and developing or you're sitting back on your on your you know on your heels and waiting for for things to happen and as we just mentioned that's not necessarily a great recipe for success so with firms being bought out at record paces right now i think there was just something in the, either the aba about law firms being bought out um and being acquired like never before well that means that some lawyers are going to get you know cut right they don't need you on the team anymore right it could be that it could be legal tech is is making things more challenging for people to compete on pay-per-click or for SEO, because now it, there's automation on all of those things. It's just, there's, it's a slow moving train, but there are bumps of acceleration. And I don't think it's going to get easier for lawyers. I mean, even non-lawyer owned law firms in certain states like Colorado, Utah, Nevada, where you're now competing again, you could potentially be competing against the top marketing agencies, the top, you know, corporate behemoths that are going to be buying out law firms and competing against you as a lawyer. That's not going to necessarily you know, help, you know, lawyers who are, who are currently struggling and that haven't put a name out there for themselves. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressures that are coming to a head right now. And I think it's, it's the optimal time for someone to start getting serious about, about, you know, marketing and business development and general growth. Yeah. There, it's, so, it's so funny because there's so many similarities between attorneys and financial advisors. Um, the old model with financial advisors and with attorneys is you join a firm and you're the guy you're expected to bring in clients on your own you are in charge of business development and it's it's changing you know you, you that that model doesn't work anymore in today's world you have to have a more cohesive marketing strategy and i'm curious about that you know when we're thinking about marketing there's so many directions that we can be pulled in i mean there's so many different avenues that are vying for our attention is it is it google is it podcasting is it ads on billboards how do you help attorneys kind of decide um, where they need to be focusing? Or is there a specific area that they really need to start with? That's a great question. There's uh that that's a whole other show just to talk on that subject. <laughs> but to keep it to keep it kind of brief, I mean, again, part of the evaluation process that I put lawyers through and managing partners through is understanding, you know, what their why is, why do they do and get up and, and do every day what they do? What's their superpower? What do they do better than anybody else? Um, where's their business coming from? Who are their referral partners? I want to know all that because if if they're getting all their business from other lawyers, does it make sense for them to put a billboard on the highway? And then you're targeting consumers? Probably not, right? Does it make sense for them to do pay per click ads when they're doing you know you know general counsel and CEO work in in the mid market you know corporate world? No. So we want to look at at every aspect of of them and their business and where they're looking to go and what's worked for them in the past. And think about where that low-hanging fruit is. And I'll give you a quick example. I have a, a past client in the IP space, uh, the intellectual property, and he was spending all of his time out, you know, night after night, networking and meeting strangers and going out and drinking and having a great time. But from a business conversion standpoint, it was very minimal. 
but he he did enjoy it. I mean that you know he was a divorce guy, so he kind of enjoyed being out there. But but I said, you know, his name's John. I said, John, let me ask you, how many clients do you have? He said, I don't know, maybe five hundred. I go, and how do they feel about you? He goes, man, they love me. I you know they call me, we talk, we're social. We you know they know I'm going to handle anything they need. They do anything for me. I go, and how much business are you getting from that? Well, occasionally they call me when they need something, or they you know they maybe have a referral. I go, but. I said, but is that really driving your business year after? He goes, no, not really. I go, well, that's a problem because if you've got 500 clients that all think you're you're the greatest thing since sliced bread and you're not leveraging that to get introduced to other general counsels, to other CEOs, to get additional business, maybe cross-marketing with your firm to other areas, I go, that's that's your year. And here's the best part. You're not going to have, you can still go out and have fun. I'm not going to turn that, you know, spigot off, but from a standpoint of where you're going to invest your time for the rest of the year, it's going to be lunches, it's going to be coffees, it's going to be drinks with your clients. Okay. And if you follow my direction and we we talk about, you know, how to how to manage that and how to make an introduction without being salesy, how to I'm not make an introduction, but how to ask for an introduction without being salesy, almost make it their idea. And they know that you're good. They're going to want to help you. You're going to have more business than you're going to know what to do with. And sure enough, that came through, you know, like a rocket ship taken off. And he just never really thought that's that pile of money, that table of money I mentioned earlier, right? He was just walking around it. He wasn't walking into it. He just needed, he needed some direction and coaching to make that happen. And there was discomfort, quite frankly, with him having that conversation with his clients. So he just needed the right approach and the right language, which we can work on together. And sure enough, once he had it, then it was like autopilot, meeting business, meeting referral, meeting cross-marketing, more business coming in for his partners stuff he didn't even have to do. He just had to bring it in and get the credit and make the money and didn't have to do the business. I mean, there's no better business model than that. Yeah. And that's actually a question I was going to ask you. And I want to explore that a little bit more. Are there some strategies? You mentioned a couple of things there uh, that law firm owners or lawyers can use that's that will help them increase that referral rate from existing clients or other professionals? Yeah. I mean, that's where I was going with this. There's a number of um, of different ways to approach clients to get a, what I call a quality introduction. I, I do teach that, you know, I hate referrals, but I love quality introductions. And then people say, well, what the hell does that mean? And I go, well, a referral is like, Darren, if I said, hey, I've got a managing partner for you to meet. His name's Bob Jones. Here's his number. Give him a call. You call him up. He goes, what do I want to deal with a financial planner and, you know, millionaire lawyer guy? I don't, I don't, that's not for me. I've got a guy. <laughs> So everything that we wanted to do and that I was trying to help you with just fell flat. Mm-hmm. But what if I met with that managing partner and I said, look, I know you, you've had some struggles with your with planner recently. Um, I've met a gentleman recently who I think would be amazing for you. He works exclusively with, you know, with managing partners to help them, you know, develop their, um, you know, their financial plan and, 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 and create wealth. And, and I highly recommend him. Would you want to meet him? He goes, yeah, of course I want to meet him. Then I make an e- email introduction. Okay. But I need to be in a position to talk you up in order to get that meeting to happen. So, you know, I think lawyers need to have some approaches and language that allow them to have these conversations with the clients they may be talking to every day, but they're avoiding that difficult conversation because it seems difficult. And here's the here's the rub. Once you get the right language and the right approach and you use it once or twice and you realize they've been waiting for me to ask or they've been they've been open to this the whole time i've spent 10 years not asking that's 10 years of not getting in front of new gcs new ceos new new potential clients because why because you had head trash or because you didn't have a simple one liner that would solve all that problem 
And I hate to say that it's that simple, stupid, but that sometimes it is. And then once they have that proof and evidence that it works, well, then it's like, you know, off to the races and then seems to be, you know, that's just one of many things, but that's a good example. I think of, of where lawyers, you know, may, may just need some, some, some assistance. Yeah. Just getting kind of the, the right language that can give you so much confidence and you can approach that you ha- know what to say. Do you find that there is some reticence or some reluctance among clients? How do you reassure clients that you're not going to be salesy? It, probably just you have to assume that they they trust you at that point. Do you find that that's sometimes an objection? Well, so what I do is, you know, every time I meet with a, with a new lawyer, um, I run them through the sales free selling model that I would be teaching them. So what they're seeing is they're seeing me demonstrate not only my marketing chops and, and the marketing chops are significant, but they're watching me. Then they're not observing it at the time. They're just, they're just, I'm walking them through a buying decision to work with me just to give you an example. And then when they convert to a client and they start learning my process, they go, wait a second. I remember you set an agenda for our meeting. And wait a second, I remember you asked me difficult questions to get to to my pain, or you asked me a qualifying question to understand that my wife was actually a part of this decision and brought her into the mix as a decision maker to invest in working with Fretson. And so I think leading by example is is how I'm how I'm demonstrating to my clients that I practice what I preach. What I what I do for you is what I'm going to teach you to do for others. And then when they get in front of their prospective clients, it's the least salesy way they could ever approach somebody where you build relationship, you set up a game plan, you focus almost all of your time asking them questions, listening to them. And so everything falls into place in a way where where at the end of the meeting, it's not, you know, your pen or mine or some trashy sales, you know, shtick. The 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 prospective client will say, So where do we go from here? Or how do we get started? I mean, you don't, there's nothing better to hear from someone than that because you walk them through a buying decision, you see it's a fit, they see it's a fit, and they just want to sign an engagement letter and move on. They want to get this, this pain, you know, resided. They want to get this risk you know, averted and they know yeah. that you're the one that can help them. So that's, this is all, all important stuff that again, wasn't taught in law school. It certainly isn't taught at the law firm level and lawyers that figure it out more quickly than not are going to, find themselves investing their time, you know, wisely with, with their business development efforts. Yeah. You know, in addition to the language, are there other skills? Are there other strategies like that, that lawyers are concerned about that you help them master that are going to help them improve their business development? Absolutely. There's, I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of skills that all work together hand in hand. But to give you an example um, one that I'm teaching. So when, when you start to build a, you want to build a relationship with somebody, all right, you can just go at it and meet somebody, look them in the eye, shake their hand and just start a conversation and just let it go where it goes. What I'm working with attorneys on is, is watching their body language, watching their eye contact, disking them, which is, you know, disc is the universal language of behavior. So dominance, influence, steadiness, compliance. How are you reading how they want to be communicated to? So if you read me and you realize that I'm an extrovert, which I am, and you realize that I'm very task-oriented or people-oriented, you can then ask me questions and relate to me differently than if I'm an introvert who can't even make eye contact with you. So there's some soft skills in relationship building. And what questions are you asking to draw someone into a conversation? How are you finding common ground and natural affinity? So you just went to Paris. I just went to Paris. I found that out. Now we're talking about Paris. We find that in common. 
you've got a teenager, I've got a teenager. Now we're talking about that in common. So it's not a haphazard experience of developing relationships. It's a learned skill that you can then own and take in your own direction, your own personality. But I think adapting to someone else so they like you and trust you more quickly and your communication is efficient and effective. And I have a a friend of mine who's an IP, I talk a lot with IP attorneys, but she is a super duper introvert. And so when I'm talking with her, I don't make a lot of eye contact and I don't talk at her in a high energy way. I talk with her in a very low key way. I slow down my speech and I know that's how she wants to be communicated to. I try to draw her into conversations so that she can do most of the talking, which normally she wouldn't, right? So open-ended questions. So these are these are soft skills, again, that that are, are learned. But if you can build a strong relationship uh, from the get-go, that's going to lead to referrals. That's going to lead to quality introductions, I should say. That's going to lead to new business or a business meeting that could that could generate, you know, revenue. So every every little aspect of business development and marketing has um has the ability to be done with intention and intelligence or it can be done, you know, haphazardly or or in a style of winging it. And I think most people would agree, you know, that winging it is not a great strategy. <laughs> yeah, that that can be good sometimes, but I think it's much better to have a game plan for sure. And as I'm listening to these skills you're mentioning, I'm thinking, you know, four years ago, we were doing a lot of this in person. Today, we're doing a lot of Zoom. Maybe a lot of the in-person is coming back, but I think we're still doing a lot of virtual stuff. How do some of these skills translate into a virtual world? Are there some new things we need to learn? Tell us how this is changing in a more Zoom centered world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I've I've written on that mainly back when, you know, within 6 months of it happening because I think people needed to get educated on the Zoom world as it is a continue. And I would say 80 to 90% of my time is on Zoom. I'm not traveling a ton anymore. I'm finding myself I'm working all over the country, all over North America, and I'm able to be incredibly efficient. So number 1 is you know, make sure that, you know, you're looking at the camera or putting the person's face up near the camera. So it's like you're making eye contact, even though you're clearly just looking at a green dot um, and keeping that focus. It might be your background. Like you've got a very professional background podcast. You've got your book. You've got things. You've got a beautiful plant. I have my banner stand, my Jordan jersey, my plant. I've got my Seinfeldisms. So I've got like things that I think are interesting and, and aren't going to necessarily you know, take away or, or distract significantly from me. But I think it's a professional background that's really important. I was talking to a client yesterday who's out of his basement and I'm looking at his, you know, stuff in his background, very distracting uh-huh. or people that have a window behind them and it's lights coming in a certain way or there's like animals running around in the back. That's <laughs> going to be distracting. So I think that's a part of it. And I think you just have to remember that it's it's still better than a phone call from the standpoint of being able to read body language, make eye contact, um, and really connect with someone. And I think it's more important than ever to really be prepared. So before you get on a Zoom, you've researched their LinkedIn, you've researched their their website, their Google. Um, I love to find something either that we have in common or something that I really enjoyed about them or their background or their website that I can compliment them on. And um, just for an example, there was a a gentleman I spoke to recently, he had some really strong, well-produced video. And I watched a a couple of them and I right away, I said, I just have to tell you before we even get into this, like, I loved your videos. They were super well done. 
They were highly educational. I really feel like I understand your 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 business now and what you're what you're doing. And he was over the moon that I did it because no one had complimented him. No one had really given him feedback on those videos up to that point. And he was like, and you know, my son did them for me. And I was like, that was I I couldn't have hit a, a stronger home run in a relationship than that. So I think it's it's just about about preparation and also knowing how to run a meeting in 15 or 30 minutes because you you don't want a 30 minute meeting to end in the middle so you really have to be prepared with how you're going to run that meeting to keep it within a time construct that both parties have agreed to so that you're not halfway through going oh uh, you know I know we, we haven't had a chance to talk about you yet and it's 30 minutes are up and everybody's got to go so so I think setting game plans and agendas and emailing ahead of time to to prep to prep someone for it all of those things can be helpful for Zoom that's great those are some really helpful tips uh, thinking about your background, thinking about eye contact, all of that stuff is so critical. Well, unfortunately, we're coming to the end of our time here. And I just want to ask you, is there anything else that uh, you think would be valuable for our listeners to hear that you'd like to add? I mean, mainly just consider that, you know, you're an expert in law, you're an expert at at, at whatever it is, you know, whatever practice area, industry that you focus on, that's your jam. I get it. Um, the thing I would say is whether you hire a coach, a mentor, an advisor, become a student of the game, become a student of time management, become a student of business development and marketing, figure out who you can delegate to the stuff that you don't enjoy. Um, but most importantly, learn it because the future is going to be competing for business more so than now. And so I would, I would recommend, you know, you can check out, you know, the books I've written on Amazon. The most recent one is a, a bestseller in four countries called legal business development isn't rocket science. And hopefully that encourages you that I'm not teaching rocket science, but I am teaching you a lot of the soft skills and a lot of the tactical things you need to do to become successful. It's a great starting point, I think. And then, of course, the podcast, you know, uh, Be That Lawyer, where I'm bringing on great guests like you, Darren, and others that can share their wisdom on subjects that are going to help you be your, you know, be that lawyer, be your best self. It's essentially what that is. So I would say just just really consider that that the the legal world is changing, the world is changing. And you have to adapt and work with it. And that's going to be uh, you know, probably the most important takeaway. Absolutely. And real quick, if you would, I've got one personal fun question for you. Would you share with us what your dream retirement looks like? Well, my wife and I have had considerable time to talk about this because she's a teacher and she's actually only has another, I think, seven years to go. And she's uh, going to be fully you know, pensioned. I don't think I'll ever retire. I'm one of those those guys that's driven and passionate about what I do and I, and I just enjoy it so much that it's like when you love what you do, you know, why would I stop doing that? I hear too many stories and my father might be one of them of, of people retiring too early thinking that, you know, hey, I'm just going to walk on the beach and and all this. I think it would be boring. So I just my brain needs to work with others and to coach and to train and to help people and so I think what I'll do is I'll probably slow down and travel and see more of the world. And my wife and I just got back from Amsterdam and Paris. And it's just, you know, I could see doing a lot more of that. And at the same time, I'd also like to maybe travel around the world and maybe do more presentations and, and work with lawyers that are international, because I don't think, um, because that's enjoyable. So I think that's really what what my future holds. I'm 53 now, so I think I'm gonna I'm gonna stay really, really you know aggressive with 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 my day and how I run things for maybe another seven years. And then you know, figure out like at 60, you know, how do I want to move from there? Very good. I love yeah. it. I love it. And finally, would you share with our listeners how they can get in touch with you if they want to learn more? Yeah, absolutely. So the easiest way to get in touch with me 
is either to go to my website, which is my last name.com. So Fretzin, F-R-E-T-Z-I-N.com. You can also email me at Steve at Fretzin.com. Um, check me out on LinkedIn. You know, uh, it's I'm posting two, three times a day in some instances of valuable content. I'm not selling my services really through my marketing. I'm educating and providing great content and hopefully it's helpful. And if at some point somebody wants to pull the trigger and take things to another level. Um, I've got a couple programs from coaching and training to uh, peer advisory groups that um, I, I put managing partners into that uh, allow them to be uh, get off their island and be in a room full of other smart managing partners. And I enjoy those two things. So, uh, but it's all, all on my website there, Darren. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on The Lawyer Millionaire. If you want to learn more, check out our website, thelawyermillionaire.com. There you can find free resources and webinars, schedule a one-on-one with me, and get your copy of my book, The Lawyer Millionaire. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode packed with useful advice and expertise for law firm owners. We also invite you to leave a review and share The Lawyer Millionaire with your friends and colleagues who might benefit from our discussions. Together, let's empower more law firm owners to achieve even greater levels of financial success. Now take what you learned today and go make your dreams a reality. I'm your host, Darren Wirtz, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Lawyer Millionaire. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not intended to represent investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of a qualified investment or tax advisor with any questions you may have regarding your own financial circumstances.